Welcome to Sustainable 26. Thank you very much. And look, there you are. Again. Again. In your very presence. Yes, indeed. My my very presence. Mm. I am very, very present right now. Welcome, listener, to your friendly little environmental podcast, which is about why everything to do with the planet is confusing. And what we try to do in our podcast is make it less so and invariably fail. Yes, and things that we will uh, fail to explain this week include why coal is bad Mm -hmm. and why turtles being killed when you were trying to kill a tuna is bad and um, and why nuclear fallout is bad or is is it it? Hmm. and when we get it wrong and we will get it wrong (laughs) please remember that the opinions expressed in this podcast are ours we do work for environmental charities but everything libelous slanderous and awful that we're about to say is very much just our own views so take it up with us eh? absolutely all right well let's crack on on we crack sustainable of the week so sustainable of the week this is a section for those new to the show where we look at some of the egregious eco guff, the nonsense, the filth spewed out in the name of going green, and we try to dissect what they really mean. And this week, we go over the ponds yet again to our friends in America. Who have we got over there, Dave? Well, so we're going to have a theme in this episode about coal. So where better Ooh. to start than with a coal mine? Now, Very good. We are going to talk a bit later on about the fact that coal mines in general around the world are having a bit of a rum time of it, which is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. And what you've got in America is quite a few coal mines. For example, there was one owned by a company called Patriot Coal, where the company's gone bankrupt and they're flogging them off, right? Coal, we'll talk about this later as to why that is. So there's this bloke, and his name is Tom Clark, with an E. Mm -hmm. And what he's done is he's bought the coal mine, which has gone bankrupt. The, the bankrupt the coal bankrupt mine. mine. He's bought it, right? And he cares about the planet. His, uh, his, his organisation is all about conservation and legacy. So he cares about the planet. And what he's been and gone and done is he said, well, I'm going to open that again, that coal mine. Uh, but, co- but, the closed coal the mine. The coal mine. The yeah. bankrupt coal mine. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to open it again because um, it's going off cheap, right? Okay. And what I'm going to do is, well, let's have a listen. Our thought is that we'll be able to sell coal that actually has bundled with it an offset to the carbon emissions profile. Oh, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on. What does that mean? Uh, But what? Sell coal that actually has bundled with it. Yes. I'm imagining he doesn't mean literally. Well. Bundles of, of coal and... Uh, an offset to the carbon emissions profile. Yes. Now, I've just read out those words again yeah. because I didn't understand them the first time and yeah. I, I still don't understand them the trees. second time. Trees, trees. Ollie's talking about trees. Is what he? he's go- Yes, he is. What he's going to do is, is cover this coal mine, while it's still working as a coal mine, in trees. And then what you're going to do is when you buy your coal, the carbon emissions don't count. Oh God! It's one of them. Yeah. It's one of. Th- it's all right. We're burning coal. We acknowledge there's lots of carbon emissions from coal, 
But may I interest you in our beautiful trees to your left? Look how much carbon they've got sucked in from the atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. This is offsetting. We've talked about offsetting before, and I can't remember where, but we have been and gone and talked about it before. You're losing your touch, aren't you, Mr. Episode Index over there? (laughs) Look, it'll come back to me. Uh, 19, 12, 12 or 13 or something. Three and a half. Three and a half. Um, Offsetting is stupid, right? So what carbon offsetting is, is it's basically the idea of saying... um, your emissions don't count because you're paying money to do something that makes up for it somewhere else. So you might take a flight, which is bad because it spews stuff into the atmosphere, but then you might give some money to some trees or some kittens or (laughs) something like that, and kittens absorb carbon dioxide in their fur and therefore everything is all right. Is that science? Yes, that's science. Right, right. just checking. But the tree stuff is like even more sciencey science, isn't yeah, it? Like that I mean, is true. Trees do extract carbon from the atmosphere. That's in, how they grow. Indeed, in the words of Malcolm North, research ecologist with the US Forest Service, it really is a substantial offset. If you think about the main part of the tree, he says. Oh, okay, I do. I'm thinking about its its soul. It's quite a bit of carbon. It's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, no, it is I'm with him. Yeah, it is. So, um. This is odd, right? Mm. And so I assumed, reading through this story, which we'll post a link to, it was a story on American public radio, um, I assumed that you would find someone sensible saying, hang on a minute, isn't that a load of old egregious eco-guff? But no, right? Maybe so they didn't have our number. Maybe maybe not. They're going to have our number when we start tweeting at them. So there's this guy <laughs> called Toby Jansen-Smith, and he works for Carbon Offsetters, people who make money, because there is money that is made, out of essentially giving the trees to the people who do the airlines so that you can offset one with the other. And when you, you might have seen it if you buy a flight. It gives you the option to you yeah. know, offset. So yeah. organisations that do that kind of thing, basically. Yeah. Um, and he, well, he likes trees. And that's where trees become particularly compelling. Compelling? Oh, I find trees so compelling. Oh, oh, look at you, little silver birch. You're, (laughs) gosh, you're compelling. Minx. (laughs) Stop it. Stop compelling me. Stop it. That, 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 oh, no, 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 no. That's not a coal mine. That's (laughs) under trees. Trees are compelling, aren't they? (laughs) Isn't it amazing? So, like, it takes it all to the extreme. There are people who actually think that if you do an extreme, if you you open a coal mine that is closed and dig all the coal out of it and sell it, which will be burned and cause climate change, that it's actually all right if you cover that with trees first. If you want to do something about climate change, just cover it in trees. Yeah. (laughs) Keep cut, it shut. Cut out the middleman yeah. of the coal burning. Yeah. <laughs> Just put trees there. Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. We are upbeat folk, as you might be able to tell. Um, and we try not to dwell only on the utter depressing malaise of life, mm. occasionally turning our focus to the good things that have happened. And this week, as we record this podcast, last week as you listened to it, there was a rumour. There was a rumour. And the rumour was this. It surfaced in The Times, which is a newspaper that of London, which the is... The Times of London. The Times yeah. of London, that the UK is going to shut all of its unabated, 
I'll explain what that means in a minute, okay. coal-fired power plants by the year 2023, which actually is one of those dates that seems extremely futuristic and far away, but actually kind of isn't. Isn't really, isn't no. Really, anymore. Well, it's eight years away. What happened eight Seven, years ago? Yeah. 2007. Seven, yeah. What happened in, what happened in 2007? Uh, well, according to our good friend Wikipedia... Oh, i tell you a thing that did happen. Live Earth happened. Do you remember that? No. Those series, those concerts that were held in July, the thing that... You remember, you remember that Live Earth thing? Wasn't it Make Poverty History? No, Live Earth. Anyway, right, okay, right. Um, it says the final Harry Potter book came out. It says loads of people died in a heat wave. Lovely. Lol. <laughs> um, and a 2,100-year-old melon was discovered. Oh, nice. Mm. Also, Rihanna was number one for 10 weeks with Umbrella. Ella. Oh, Ella. Ella. Anyway, we digress. The point is, eight years away is not that far away, really. So, cutting out coal by then is quite a big deal. And we use loads of coal in this country to get our electricity. And we know it's very, very bad. We'll come on to that a bit later, I should think. So the fact that rumours say that the government is going to go, we're going to get rid of it by the early 2020s, and specifically 2023... Is a good thing. It's yeah. quite stretching, quite challenging. It is, I suppose. And the government hasn't actually confirmed it, neither have they denied it. And it's a bit of a leaky woo. And the whole thing is this was supposed to be what the government, when it goes off to the big international climate shindig at the end of the year in Paris, when all of the big swinging dicks will get together and <laughs> refuse to do anything about climate change, uh, this will be the thing that the UK puts on the table as its contribution. Look, we're not, even though we are destroying the entire solar industry, and even though we're taxing a Prius the same as a Porsche, and even though we're making renewables pay, carbon tax we're gonna shut down these coal plants right mm, which makes us hippies which yes. makes we and we we expect fully expect when we get home to be given honorary vice presidencies of all of the green ngos yes, carried shoulder high through the streets <laughs> of shoreditch by a bunch of people in caftans that's what they expect to happen um, and you know there's so there was that word unabated now what that means is you've got three options if you are uh, one of these coal plants number one you shut Number two, you convert to biomass, which I want to say a little bit about in a minute. And number three, you adopt carbon capture and storage. Now, Mm. carbon capture and storage is what? Well, it is a technology which does exist, but is very, very sparingly used, whereby you effectively stop the carbon that's being emitted in the chimneys of the coal plants, catch it, bury it underground somewhere, often in... Um, old disused oil fields or coal mines um, and store it there where it can't, the theory goes, it can't get into the atmosphere, thereby can't continue to contribute to global warming. Um, the, the irony is it is sometimes used by these industries to force out new bits of oil they previously hadn't been able to get to in his oil, oil fields. But we'll gloss over that. Over that. In theory, it is a way of not le- of stopping rather the the uh, additional carbon going into the atmosphere. So, if you wanted to carry on burning mm. carbon, things with carbon in it, coal mm. and oil and gas, things that cause climate change, rather than not do that, mm. you do this exceptionally expensive, largely untried, possibly won't work. Yeah. Um, technology where you do something that sounds i'm not a luddite right but it sounds mental to me like taking the gas 
off of a thing that you're burning that you don't have to burn anyway. And it, 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 what I imagine is colossal expense, taking it to a big hole in the ground where the oil was in the first place. Often under sea. Under sea. Putting it in there, gaffer taping it up, <laughs> and hoping no one no one lets it out. Putting a massive no entry sign in yeah. there. Like a seriously don't come in don't here come sign in here. underneath that. <laughs> I think it's all a bit silly, but um, probably marginally less silly than biomass which is the other thing that you can do what that means is you can convert things biomass is like wood and stuff stuff that has been alive and isn't organic matter organic matter uh, curry uh, (laughs) kittens uh, wood that sort of thing pants and socks pants and socks yeah but (laughs) believe me i I tell you what anyway no uh, biomass is the kind of opposite of what we were talking about in sustainable of the week biomass mm. there uh, was a thing that you plant to get rid of coal now it's a thing that you burn <laughs> instead of coal right and what you have to do is get loads and loads of trees from all around the world massive massive amounts of trees probably from forests that you don't want to be chopping down and bunging them into this plant that you've already built uh, when you thought coal was brilliant and it isn't so yeah. biomass is stupid as well so why is the government doing it then oh what's so bad about coal What's so bad about okay, well there are two questions there. Uh coal is a coal is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Coal is a very, very bad thing. It's almost entirely carbon. So that's your starting point. And so burning it releases you've got your hand up. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost entirely carbon and you're not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Depends who you ask, I suppose. But luckily for me, no one is proposing burning me oh. for electricity. Oh, you have... Right. No one to my face right. is proposing burning me yes. for electricity. I have a Whereas... suspicion there's someone in the government who would like to throw you <laughs> onto a pyre at the moment, but that's not... Yeah, anyway. Anyway, uh, but coal very much is proposed to be burned for electricity, and uh, so it releases a phenomenal amount of carbon dioxide, which, as you all know by now, because you listen very carefully to this podcast, is a greenhouse gas. However, it's not just that, which is bad. It is full of toxins, including arsenic and other stuff, lead and other nasty stuff. So the the act of both getting it out of the ground and burning it releases that stuff into the atmosphere and gets into people's lungs. Mining it itself is phenomenally dangerous. Mm. I mean, it's got, you know, a sort of cultural significance and, and for lots of communities in this country and all over the world, coal mining was was something of, of huge importance to their lives. But it also came with this prodigious impact on health. I mean, black lung is the famous mm. disease. And if you see the pictures of that, it's, it's awful. And, and, and the stuff coming out of, of China where uh, a lot is being mined and, um, frankly, a lot of people are doing it illegally as well, let alone the state-run stuff and the regulations don't exist and the, and the people are suffering hugely. So it's a nasty, nasty thing. Mines collapse, people get trapped or killed in collapsed mm. mines on the underground. And on the surface, you just kind of cut down entire mountaintops, mm. um, gouging out bits of the environment to, um, to, to do this stuff. So I've just convinced myself how much I hate coal. Coal's awful. Bad coal. <laughs> it's really bad. So would you agree then um, that it is... I'm going to ask you some things. Tell me, tell me whether you get, agree with How do we get into this dynamic? You interviewing me like I'm one of your playthings. Yes, you are one of my playthings. Look. <laughs> get off. <laughs> so, would you agree with the following statements? Oh, A, coal is bad. Dave, A, yes. Okay. Would you agree, B, it is a good thing that the government is closing or forcing to do something about coal plants 
If the rumours are to be believed, and they actually do this, and the effect is that coal plants are closed in 2023, yes, Dave, I would agree with that statement. Do you think that in order to do something about climate change, we have to close coal? Yes, Dave, I do. Then why? <laughs> I could see, could see on your face. So that so must mean that funny. you think anything but coal is a good idea, right? So here's the thing. No! This is what you must think, because that's what's happening. In America, they're shutting all the coal mines, like the one that your man, Mr. Clark, is turning into a forest, right? Yeah. Coal plus trees. Coal plus trees. With two um, in China, they are shutting down all the coal, not just for climate change reasons, but as you mentioned, because it's making everything all black and stinky, right? Um, and what they're doing instead is they're not really getting all their energy from nice sunshine and nice waves and nice happy smiles. They're getting it from other stuff instead, like gas, which they are getting out of frackinged. Fracking'd. They are fracking Frackinged? It. Yes, they're getting it out of fracking. Frackinged. Frackinged it. Gosh, no, I haven't. <laughs> yes, that's what they're doing. I haven't heard of that one. So uh, if the most important thing we have to do about climate change is sort out coal, therefore uh, fracking must be all right, Yes. Right. For a start, that's one of the longest questions I've ever heard anyone <laughs> ask, if it even was a question. Uh, secondly, it's a ludicrously binary argument. It's like me saying, right, do you like the taste of this cyanide? And no. you go, no. It's like, ah, therefore, you must like the taste of this mud because it's the only other food available. It's cyanide or mud. I mean, it's just hopelessly binary. I mean, mud is not going to kill you. So in a sense, it is a better option than cyanide, but it also doesn't taste very nice, does it? And it's not going to make your bones grow and all the rest of it. So I don't think fracking is a good thing. We've talked about this in many episodes. Uh, Episode two, frack, frack, frack. Episode fans. Never got to say that before. Um, (laughs) You already did it because I just held up up my fingers. Shut up. Yeah, okay. Shut up. (laughs) And it's a classic argument of the fossil fuel industry, isn't it? To be mildly serious for a bit. Yes. The answer from fossil fuel companies to to the challenges posed by climate change is always burn more fossil fuels. Whichever way they dress it up, whether they say, we, we know we really like gas because it's cleaner than coal. Um, we were like fracked gas because it's British gas, which is cleaner than British oh, coal. British values. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It stands honest. up and sings the national anthem. Yeah, our gas. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we stand with British gas. That's right. Um, but the, whatever they do, the answer is always burn more fossil fuels, yeah. right? And that's because they are the fossil fuel industry oh. and they want to sell this stuff forever and that's how they make their money mm. and it's just not the climate we've talked about the science we talked with dr carl about the, the reality of of uh, where emissions have got to get to and and how global warming is um so extreme and we just can't afford to be putting loads more carbon in the atmosphere and whilst you're clever odd burying the stuff in tubes underneath your north sea technology doesn't exist um, our only option is to, to drastically stop burning this stuff. So, no, I don't think fracking is a great idea. And I'll tell you another thing about coal, right? There is the perception that it is basically providing kind of all of our electricity. And if you turn it off, we're knackered. And certainly if you turned it off straight away, we would be a bit knackered. But little old plucky renewables, mm. Mm, everyone's favourite underdog. They're kind of... I'm going to play the little plucky renewables music. <laughs> okay. 
That's right. The, you know, everyone thinks of renewables as sort of Eric the Eel of electricity generation. You know, we're, we're delighted that he's there. Um, we give him a good old cheer, but we don't really expect him to feature in the final. Well, Eric the Eel just turned into Ian Thorpe, Australian sports reference for you there, Dave. Good. Because what are you talking about? Because <laughs> this... <laughs> In the last quarter, I'm getting to the point. In the last quarter... Who's Eric the Eel, for God's sake? <laughs> oh, God. Ignore him, ignore him. He, he has no cultural frame of reference Fine. beyond this room. Right. In the last quarter, renewable electri- uh, renewables supplied more electricity than coal in the UK, about 25%. Really? Yeah. Huh. And they were supplied more more electricity than the nuclear industry did as well. Not, not the two of them combined. Hmm. But that's, you know, that's a big deal, right? Now, there's this thing called unburnable carbon, right? Unburnable carbon says, if we are going to do something about climate change, we talked about this last episode when talking about all-round man-hunk Mark Carney, governor of the Bank of England, right? If we're going to do something about climate change, we're going to have to leave most of the fossil fuels what we know about already in the ground and that's kind of bad news if you are as you say a fossil fuel company uh, whose entire business model requires you to sell fossil fuels right but what it does mean is the dirtiest stinkiest stuff is already starting to get left in the ground right and it is to me the biggest reason to be cheerful of the lot we're actually seeing like the price of coal is tumbling Mines are closing. Bankrupt, uh, bankruptcies are happening. Um, as China cleans up its act, Australia, we spent not that long ago, like uh, episode 18, we talked about Tony Abbott's plans to bung coal mines all over the, the coral reef and all of that. Since then, even just since then, the price of coal in Australia has plummeted. And suddenly mines that were looking to be built just six months ago are suddenly not looking viable anymore. And it's one of the very, very fast things that is happening is that coal is getting left in the ground. And that is a reason to be cheerful. In it, yeah, it is massively. So, um, yeah, so I'm relatively cheerful about it. Now, not all other countries are being nice monkeys. We were reading a thing about Turkey, weren't we? You mm. pointed this out. Turkey are not nice monkeys. Turkey are not nice. <laughs> Headline monkeys. from Dave. Yeah, they are foul. Hey, yeah. <laughs> crikey. Anyway, yes, Turkey. Turkey have been very naughty monkeys. So Turkey is going to do more coal. It's not doing less coal. Um, and it's going to increase its emissions because it's going to burn whoa, of coal. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's doing more coal. More coal, not less coal. Well, this is, yeah, this is bad, isn't it? How much more coal? Um, I'll tell you how much more coal because I've prepared this <laughs> could, bit and you could, haven't. Could you? <laughs> <laughs> it wants to open 80 new coal mines. Mm. Mm? No, wrong. Power stations, yeah. coal power stations. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant to say. Yeah. Eight wants to open 80. So, I mean, you know, we've had a fair few words to say about the UK government. Yes. And they're planning to close all of them yes. in the UK by 2023. I'm sure not for entirely altruistic reasons, but that's what they're doing. Turkey, on the other hand, wants to, to have 80 new ones. Yes. And it's also, I mean, we, we haven't really got onto the whole Paris shindig, but I'm sure we will in future episodes. But one thing that's going on at the moment, has been going on over the summer, is that countries are saying, this is what we're going to do emissions-wise. You know, everyone's saying varying degrees of we're going to cut our emissions. Not Turkey. No, not Turkey. <laughs> 116% increase is what Turkey would like Woo! would like to be allowed to do. Um, and that's a bit of a problem because Turkey is 
country, and it's <laughs> one of the richer of what's called the developing countries. So it's not in the bracket of the rich countries, but neither is it in the bracket of the very poor countries. It basically should know better. And it's trying to get into the EU, and the EU is trying to lead the way on climate. So Turkey is basically going sod you, right? And it's about to have the presidency of the G20, which makes it influential yeah. at this time. Um, and frankly, they can just sod off. And they can, Australia can sod off as well. And anyone who's going into this thing, which is about saving us all from massive death, and anyone who's going into this thing <laughs> saying, sod you, I'm going to increase my emissions and cause massive death, they can go in Inhoff Corner and be roundly spanked in the bottom. Inhoff of the Week. So talking of Inhoff, yes, we are led nicely into the nasty, dank, mouldy corner that is Inhoff Corner. This, people new to the show, is a section named after the American Senator Jim Inhoff, who thinks climate change isn't real because there's still snow. Hmm. Mm. So there are all sorts of things about the environment, not just climate change and electricity generation. There's also stuff like the oceans, right? Mm. Big wet thing that fish live in. Exactly, but decreasing numbers of fish because we're gnarling them all up. And one of the reasons we're gnarling them all up, if that even is a word, is because fishing practices for things we like to eat, like tuna, hmm, mm. are very destructive and indiscriminate. They catch all sorts of other things, bycatches called like turtles and whales and dolphins and fish they weren't even trying to catch. Uh, so it's a big problem and, well, our chums at Greenpeace have for a long time kept a kind of league table, right, of the brands that sell you tuna and how good they are, how sustainable they are. What Who's in first place? Are. Who's in first place? Place. Oh, place. Yeah, Very who's in first nice. place? Yeah. Anyway, point is, uh, thanks to some great campaigning by Greenpeace and others, a few years ago, John West, the huge tuna brand, I suppose they sell other stuff as well, don't know, but mainly tuna, um, got shamed basically into saying, yep, we uh, by 2016, I think, are going to have 100% sustainably sourced tuna. And, um, you know, that's very good. Good commitment. Didn't have to make it. Great that they did. How Even they- though the, the, the sustainable word klaxon might have, might have usefully <laughs> gone off, might not it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sustainable killing loads of other animals. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, how do you think they're getting on with their goal to get to 100% by 2016, mm. which is, what, four or three months away, yeah. how are they getting on? Mm. Uh, 60% of the way there? You know, they're, they're, that was a stretching target, right? It wouldn't it be, wouldn't it, you know, yeah. let's allow them a bit of slack. So maybe 60, 50, if they were at 50%, I'd go, you know what, that's fine. 50, yeah. 50%. Yeah, yeah, it's all fair. They're at 2%. They're at 2%. They are nowhere. They are nowhere near meeting their goal. Yeah. What's, what's going on then? Well, tell me, tell me about it. What's going well, on? Well, uh, Greenpeace have, have noticed this, yes. as, as campaigning groups tend to do, and have said, "What are you? Um, what are you going to do about it?" And um, well, not a lot is, <laughs> is kind of their response. And Say they, sorry. No, they're not. Oh. They're not keen on that. Um, I mean, they, what, what do they mean anyway when they say like sustainable? Fish. What does that even mean? Well, there is, there's different ways of catching fish, isn't there? And Greenpeace argue, and lots of others, like Hugh Fernley, what's-his-face, um, that if you catch stuff which basically with a fishing line, it's called pole and line, that you only get the fish you're actually trying to catch. Or a condom. Not in so much in the Pacific, but okay, maybe right. in Brentford. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, this is this is a way of targeting what you're trying to get. Um, and that's the main beef that people have got with the fishing industry is that when you haul in your tuna using other more sort of broad approaches to fishing, um, you get all sorts of other stuff as well. You get turtles, you get whales, you get dolphins, you get everything that you're not trying to fish. And they basically get killed or chucked back, maimed or whatever. Um, and it's awful. It's incredibly destructive. Hmm. And um, so that's what they mean by sustainable. Not doing that. Instead, using line and pole. Well, I've got here a thing where they... Um, it's got the John West definition of what sustainable is, right? And sustainable, as you know, and the whole reason why this podcast is called Sustainable is sustainable is a word that means whatever the damn bahoozy you want it to be, right? <laughs> um, and pretty much generally is used to obfuscate and obscure that people are burning car tyres in their front garden, right? And what John West says sustainable means is a sustainably sourced fish is one that is not endangered or threatened, caught by well-managed fisheries with scientifically based quota via responsible fishing methods, right? Mm. What that doesn't say is it's the fish we meant to catch, right? (laughs) So as far as I can work out, it's all right if you go out and you uh, really responsibly harvest just bloody everything, (laughs) Um, and sell it as tuna um, because that's all right. That's that's as long as you've done it responsibly, that's okay. Mm, it's magic. Yeah. Mm. The other thing they blather on about is demand for this stuff. Oh. They say people don't really demand it. Well, mm, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Demand because if you said on your tins, if you put two tins next to each other on the shelf, and one of them said this has probably got turtle in it, and the other one said this probably hasn't got turtle in it. I think you'd find that most most people are nice enough to buy the stuff that hasn't got a turtle in it. And that would increase your demand, wasn't it? If you stick your tins that probably do have turtle in them with a nice label saying, don't worry, no dolphin. <laughs> and that's all it says. But there's no demand. For, there's no People aren't showing any demand for a tuna that doesn't have turtles in it. You're being completely unreasonable. I am. I am. Things that make you go... So, yes, this is a new little feature, what we haven't done before, because we couldn't think of where else to put it, frankly, Mm. because we read this and we went, "Mm." hmm. And what it is, is a thing that's going on in the Ukraine, uh, where there was in 1986, which is terrifyingly 29 years ago, a great big mahusive nuclear accident at Chernobyl. Obviously, which you know about, and I shan't insult your vast intelligence by telling you what it is, right? And uh, still, to this day, all the way around with a blast site where Chernobyl was, it's an exclusion zone. And you can't go there, and you go there, you see these documentaries of people going there with their Geiger counters and going remotely close to it, and they go bibbidi-bibbidi-bip, and you, <laughs> and you run away, right? Um, so people don't live there, but wildlife does. Yeah, crazily. Yeah. And it seems, I mean, the, the article we've been reading seems to suggest, based on a study by uh, some people at University of York, I think, that it's not only surviving, but thriving. That equivalent nature reserves, or rather nature reserves not far away, show no greater numbers of species than the nuclear fallout zone in Chernobyl. Which is odd, right? Yeah, It It makes you go, hmm... Hmm. So you've got elk, deer, and wild boar, which are basically the same as around the place. Um, And you've got more wolves, which I suppose makes sort of sense because there aren't people 
getting rid of the wolves. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you why this made me go, hmm, right, for two reasons. Firstly, because I thought radiation killed everything. So it's just mm. a little bit like, hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what your paper's authors have gone. They've basically gone, hmm. <laughs> but also because we were talking uh, to Chris Packham a couple of weeks ago, our friend Chris, our mate, our buddy. I just call him Chris. Just Chris, now. just Chris. Um, mm. Episode 24, check that out. Um, and one of the things we asked him, uh, you asked him, was about the resilience of nature. And yeah. you said to him, uh, does he agree with, if I may say so, the blindingly obvious statement that nature is quite resilient? And he said <laughs> fairly straightforwardly, yes, Ol, I do agree with that, right? But he, he was very patient. He was very he? patient, <laughs> yes. But, um, but it's true. You do something like blow up a nuclear power station and humans can't go there, but stuff carries on, stuff clings on, doesn't it? And it, in a sort of... In the long term, in yeah. The long I term, mean, the yeah. study does point out that there were short-term effects, but they were expecting to yeah. see long-term effects on the wildlife population and there's no evidence of it. Yeah. They're just having a great time. And in fact, you know, what the article then goes on to say is not that nuclear fallouts aren't a problem and we should no, we should no, do... I like this professor jim smith one of the one of the paper's authors university of portsmouth um says uh, what did i say york, york. Yeah. Oh, right <laughs> professor jim smith one of the paper's authors says uh, it doesn't mean that nuclear accidents aren't bad of course they are <laughs> so he's just being clear just, just want to make absolutely certain we've got that one across try not to blow up any nuclear power stations Anytime soon. Yeah. But I think what they're trying to draw from this paper, as I understand it, is that humans, when you take humans away, even in an area where you might have more long-term exposure to radiation, animals still do better. So basically, like I think the implication is that the taking the humans away bit is slightly cancelling out the expect you might have seen from the hideous radiation wastage bit, which frankly... I don't know if it's a reason to be cheerful or not, but in a kind of long-term entropic, we are all basically going to die one day and leave this planet alone, I take a weird sort of nihilistic comfort from the fact that the kittens and the ugly fish will be around long after we've stopped suppressing them. Prediction time! So, prediction time. Every week we whap our crystal balls out on the table, stare into them and try to work out what's going on. And my word, we're good at this. Yes, we are, aren't we? Not. 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 Yes. So, uh, Dave, you made a prediction last week, didn't you? I did, did, yes. Um, and it is currently 3-1 to you, which I've conceded, despite squabbling about it for a long time. And mm. I needed to get back in the game, so I made a prediction that was guaranteed to come true. Mm. Let's have a listen to what you said. I reckon George Osborne is going to say something about fracking. And I think he's going to say something new. He's going to announce another new thing about fracking. Go back and listen to it. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> didn't happen, that didn't happen. I thought, I thought you said it was guaranteed to come true. It was guaranteed to come true until I predicted it, whereupon put the hex on it and then it didn't happen uh, anymore. Um, probably his advisors were listening and thought, Probably. But we're not going to say that now. Bloody George. Can I just, just for a second, <laughs> bloody George Osborne, right? For the last six years, whenever he stood up and said anything about the environment, he's basically with a smirk while tapping the ends of his fingers together, announced plans to tarmac over the whole of the new forest or something, right? <laughs> and this time, when I actually have a stake in it, when I make a prediction that he's going to say something wicked, nothing. He didn't mention the environment at all. All mm. too busy positioning himself, posturing prime ministerially and, and waggling himself at the various journalists around the place. That's what he was doing. Lordy. Anyway, yes, so that didn't happen, so it is still 3-1 to you. 
Very good. Well, firstly, can I say thank you for finally conceding mm. that point? And if that is testament to the fact that campaigning works, isn't it? Just just saying just something grind over them down <laughs> over again. I, yes, I haven't accepted it. Let's just get on with it. Okay. So three one to me, and to make it four one, I predict, and this isn't much of a fun prediction, uh, but that there will be another major solar firm announcing big job losses, announcing that it's closing or that it's sacking the majority of its staff. And the reason I'm predicting that is because this week as we record, last week as you listen to it, that's exactly what happened in the UK. People like us moan about what the government's doing on solar. The government go, it's all fine, shut up, it's going to be fine. We say things like 20,000 people are going to lose their jobs. They're like, nah, they're not. And then lo and behold, people do lose their jobs. And they cite... That the UK policy landscape for renewables... Excuse me, policy landscape. Oh, that's the first time I've got to do that to you this series. Magnificent. That almost makes up for the 3-1. Yeah, that was was well-deserved. Yes. That was well-deserved. They cite the UK policy landscape. No, look, you can't do it... Right, hang on. They cite the fact that the government are bad on solar policy as the main reason that they're packing up shop. There's no market for them. There's nothing... They can't sell their panels to people, so they don't have a business. And it's real, and it's people losing their jobs. And it's not only jobs, but jobs which are the future. They, you know, they're clean jobs. They're jobs all over the country. They put people... They skill people up in, in exciting new things that we can export to the rest of the world. And it's um, it's really bad. And I think that more's going to come, because they've just nailed this one up. Your prediction is by the time of Babel 27... What another another big, big for another high profile solar firm will have will have folded. So that is just about it for Sustainable Babble twenty six. Half a year, half a year's worth yeah. of babbles. If you stretched out all our babbles end to end, you would be totally wasting your time. <laughs> Yeah, don't do it, please. Don't do it. Goodness sake, for your health, if nothing else. That is it. Thank you, as ever, to the wonderful Dickie Moore, what of Bearcraft, who play the music that does the beginning and does the end of this podcast and all the twiddly bits in between. Thank you to Arabella, um, your six-year-old niece, who helps us out every week by reading out in a joyously little happy voice all the babble that we get. Um, you can get in touch with us. Tell us what you think of the show. Uh, we are on Twitter at The Babble Wagon. On Facebook, just find Sustainababble. Or drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish. Very nice. All right. Well, I will see you next week. Have a lovely time, won't you? Bye. Bye. So, prediction time, and every week we whap our balls out on the... (laughs) (laughs) Crucial word missing.